Hello and welcome to the Scott and Paul Show, episode seven or six. Which one is this? Seven. Episode six. So, so seven, six, six. Daniel is missing in action because he's domesticated. Ah, oh, the domesticated beast. How horrible is that? He'll get on here next time, talk about having to work and blah 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 blah. But he's domesticated. Yeah. So Daniel, when you uh, when you're listening to this in secret on the toilet where you can have a few minutes of privacy in your life. Know that we uh, dogged on you a little bit, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a rule. Whoever's not here is going to get dogged on, period. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're our Ubisoft. Yeah. That's... Ubisoft's not here, so you know what? Screw you guys. Well, Scott, um, how long has Tetris been out? God. Since way back in the 80s on some old school computer systems. I should should have researched that part, but yeah, <laughs> thirty plus years. So, and how many times has it been released, and it's a buggy mess? Oh, I don't know, zero. If one company could put out a game of Tetris, and it's a buggy mess, who could do it? Oh, that's definitely Ubisoft. Did Ubisoft publish one recently? Yes, they did. <laughs> Is it a buggy mess? It's a buggy mess. They. Screwed up Tetris. Uh, 1984, Tetris. Commodore 64, Spectrum Holobyte was a publisher in the U.S. Uh, I know it was distributed widely in Russia. Um, but yeah, it was I mean, it was all over the place. Arcades, the Game Boy, uh, everything. I mean, you can play it, you can play it on um, early cell phones even. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I mean, I had a Razor that played it just fine. The old school Razor, kids. The old school Razor. Flip phones, baby. Yeah, the one with like the .3 megapixel camera or whatever it was. Yeah, it looked so cool back in the day. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can play it on like copy machines. And uh, yeah, fax machines. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an LCD version that plays off of copy machines. So... For Ubisoft to crap the bed on Tetris is it's atrocious. So we're introducing a new segment this week, and we don't have any sound effects ready, but this is called The Bug Hunt. And yes, that is an Aliens reference by this fanboy. But, I mean, seriously, guys, we didn't have to hunt very much to find this one because all we got to do is Google Ubisoft, click Google News, and you're going to see something about fucked up games. I mean, seriously, when does the pain stop for Ubisoft? The last the last bit I checked on this, it seemed like the Tetris issue was a bug in the having too many friends on the PSN list, which I remember that being a bug on a couple of games on the PS3. Yes. I thought this crap was fixed. Yeah. Um... I'll have to just take a slight detour on Ubisoft on this one. <sighs> How many people have 500 friends on their friends list? Um, I, have, I mean, did Ubisoft really yeah. sit down during bug testing and say, okay, guys, let's get an account and spoof 500 friends and see what happens? I can see overlooking this one. Yeah. But regardless, in light of their history in the last couple of years starting in my recollection when it first started to uh, be noticed by me was Assassin's Creed 3 and it's 
bugginess. Um, and then once I started looking into it, I started seeing all these these other titles. But Tetris, come on. I mean, I guess it's not just basic Tetris. I don't know. I haven't played the game, but I mean, it's it's freaking Tetris, guys. It's not that hard. So. And it's I mean, it's a friends list bug. It's not necessarily the game design. It's just simple coding that needs to be fixed. And if you're a multi-million dollar company, there's really no excuse at this point. But well, there is an excuse. Is because people keep buying their product, and until people vote with their wallets enough in order to uh, hurt Ubisoft a little bit, there is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? It's I Ubisoft. Ubisoft. It's French, I think it's so I call it Ubi. It's Ubisoft, but you know what? Screw the French, it's Ubisoft. Um, might be wrong on that, but hey, get your games right. I mean, it's not you, that's what you pay people to do. You know? I, I don't. I, I think they're not real French because they're, <laughs> they're they're Montreal French. No, I no. in there. So I don't know. I'm not into the whole French war bullshit. But one thing about war is the um, it's the revolution, and it's still not working on unity. So we have two major issues here. Two appearances on the bug hunt segment by the uh, same company. One is the PC um, assassination of the um, oh my god game saves are going bye bye on PC. Yeah, Ubisoft's Unity Assassin's Creed Unity is assassinating players' game saves. It's taking some wrist blades and shoving them right into their guts. So. Uh, I mean, it just the hits keep on coming. I'm I'm afraid Bug Hunt should just be renamed to the weekly Ubisoft Bitch Session. <laughs> but I mean, again, I mean, how do they keep up with all of this? They don't keep up with it. I don't I don't I don't know why play people that buy these games are such gluttons for punishment. You don't go out and buy a car that doesn't run right. You don't go out and buy a. a can't, a, a package of food that doesn't have the right weight of food in it, or or something wrong with it, you turn you take it back. Uh, I mean, you don't settle for crappy cell phone service. You call somebody and you complain about it. You don't continue to use that company. Why is it with games? It seems like nobody will will enforce the rule of the wallet. I mean, you got Madden Sports. Yes, Madden is its own thing, but people go back year after year after year for incremental upgrades and new buggy gameplay. You know, I mean, and it's the same thing with Ubisoft. Why? Why do they keep going back? I mean, I guess the narrative is enjoyable in its own right, but, I mean, I do like it, but, man, come on. I don't know. The... And, I'm, and I'm, I'm part of that. I bought I bought Assassin's Creed uh, 4 for $9.99 on sale at Toys R Us. So, you know, was it $9.99? Yeah. But I felt like I was getting what I pay for, and I did. I mean, there was a, there was, it was a little bit of bugging. It's a lot better than 3. So, maybe um, I've spent my last dollar on Ubisoft until they have something that is reviewed widely a couple weeks after release and is not full of freaking game-breaking bugs. Every game is going to have a couple of little bugs. That's fine, but Unity, it's not even close. It seems like this is has a lot to do with it. Say, um, one save file per 
owner system, and it's impossible to circumvent thanks to the synchronization in the cloud. Yeah, and and what the heck is up with the one save per system? I mean, really? What if you got more than one person in the house? And if that one That's save funny. file is corrupted, you're screwed. Is this some sort of indirect way to get people to buy more copies of the games? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> buy more systems? I mean, I don't know. It's just stupid. Well, Alien Isolation has that. I, th I believe it has a game save system like that. If you whatever your current save is, I think. So it's. I mean, it's dumb. It's dumb. You know, um, my son's been, wanted to play Alien Isolation, and uh, I gave the game over to him, and then he didn't really do very well with it. So he said that I could. You know, he turned it back over to me. And I ended up having to start over, but. Um, yeah, I mean, people want to share games in the house, you know, in a household. One game per household is plenty. And in more Ubisoft news, they've released Patch 4 for Patch Unity. Four. And, uh, well, let's just listen to um, a quote from Ubisoft about the patch. Part of the team's effort to enhance frame rate for players involves replacing and updating portions of the Paris city map where we are seeing issues. This explains the large size of title update, 6.7 gigabytes. However, since a large portion of the patch replaces existing files, the net increase to the game's overall size will be less than 6.7 gigs. However, that being said, the frame rates still drop into the low 20s and the high teens. So the patch didn't even fix it? No. Man, and the way the rumors are—I, you know, nothing is concrete that we see on Reddit or any of those rep websites like that, where we have people claiming to be developers or former employees. But the rumors coming out of Ubisoft is it is just not a friendly place to work. So I, I, I would not want to be on the patch team. Um, but you know, Ubisoft, you know, they have a good group of developers. It's not the developers' fault. They're only getting a year to work with this stuff, and. I mean, I, I can't imagine the stress level those guys must be going through, especially if any of the commentary that has been on some of these websites claim to be Ubisoft employees is true. I mean, that, that has got to be one hell of a terrible place to work at, if any of it's true. So. And in more Ubisoft news, this comes from Game Informer. Your Assassin's Creed Unity Season Pass free game comes with a legal catch. Unity's free game redemption site for those who purchase the Assassin's Creed series pass is live. Once you identify which system you've played on, you can redeem one of six games. Before you sift through the terms and conditions, there's something of which you should be aware. By accepting the free game, you are releasing Ubisoft from liability related to the problems with Assassin's Creed Unity and the devaluation of the season pass as a result of the Dead Kings DLC going free. There's one gigantic long sentence. I'm not reading it. But, in short, if you want to join a class action lawsuit against Ubisoft over Assassin's Creed Unity, you can't. Because you waive your right to sue Ubisoft over the game's performance and season pass if you take this free deal. I'm not one to join in a lawsuit over a game because I think people at this point were pretty clear on what due diligence is. Like aliens, colonial marines, and that freaking debacle with, you know, the demos being shown and the screenshots and the videos and stuff that were shown. 
and that was a widespread thing. I, th- I think people need to stop pre-ordering this crap and wait until it's released and check YouTube and check user reviews, find out where the bugs are, find out what's not working, and then buy the game if it's to your standard. But stop day one purchases, stop pre-ordering, and you won't have these problems. On the other hand, I don't hold it. I don't think it's wrong for anybody to jump into these lawsuits. Um, but yeah, so you're gonna get a free game, okay? And what is it? The free pass? Season, yeah, I think we get one game from the season pass. You get one game from the season pass. What are the games? I don't know. There's six other games. Six games. Six I games. Mean, you can choose to see one game from the season pass for free, I believe. I don't know. I didn't spend money on Unity, so I'm not even going to deal with it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's wrong to take the game, but I wouldn't buy one the next year when the next Assassin's Creed comes out. I would wait. Um, but, yeah, for people that want to sue or join these class actions, I don't blame them. You know, because really we're, there's a lot of people that criticize the class actions. I even roll my eyes at them a little bit. But, you know, maybe in four or five years we'll look back and say, well, these class actions is what tightened up the game industry. You know, I mean, Sega just had to pay out a million dollars for Colonial Marines. And as far as I know, what's happening with Gearbox isn't finished yet as far as Colonial Marines goes. I believe that uh, Sega settled and Gearbox continued to fight. So Gearbox is racking up, you know, legal cost and everything else. For I mean, and they really just shouldn't have released the game. Um which I know Sega was, I think Sega's equally at fault. But, you know, I mean, Unity or Ubisoft needs to take a look at this because the precedent is there to penalize um, publishers and game developers for products that are not as advertised. So, and precedent is everything in the legal realm, period. Well, we're talking about. Gearbox. Let's just go ahead and move to <laughs> the first non-Ubisoft story we have is um, the lawsuit over Sony over this stupid kill zone. Uh, this comes from PlayStation Lifestyle. It looks like the lawsuit over Killzone Shadow Falls graphics might end up back in court. Back in August, Douglas Lador of California sued Sony Computer Entertainment America undergrounds of false advertising. The man alleged that Sony advertised that Killzone Shadowfall would run at a native 1080p resolution on the PlayStation 4 when, in fact, it did not actually achieve that resolution. In response, Sony attempted to dismiss the case, citing a number of reasons. However, U.S. District Judge Edward Chin denied all but one of Sony's arguments, saying that Sony ignored important factual allegations. How fucking pathetic is this dude? Oh, yeah. But this is this is where the precedent's going to come from. But yeah, I mean, if I was sitting around and I saw a class action, and it was, hey, sign up on this website and get sixty dollars back or hundred dollars back or a coupon for free game or something, eh, that's one thing. But to be the singular person to sue somebody over a game, just take it back to the freaking store. Seriously, I mean. But, you know, if Sony's got a box that says Killzone Multiplayer and it's 1080p, we're finding out that most games still are not 1080p, even on the new systems. Uh, I don't know. If that's how they advertised it, seems to me it has a case. It just all depends on uh, 
what press the dude seeking the five side. million dollars. Oh, it's it's a complete rip to seek that. I'd give it's him six if rip. I was if I was a judge, I'd give him sixty bucks. Tell him to take a walk. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, here's your money back, dude. Um, but I, you know, it's going to have a precedent. So I think it's going to set precedent. There's been a lot of these cases. Eventually, they're going to start sticking. Well, the we companies have... just need to be more careful about what they're advertising. Yeah. I mean, I spent 2001 to 2013 uh, waiting on Aliens Colonial Marines, and it was two different um, games. Uh, one was canceled in like 05 or 06, and then not long after it was announced there was a new one in the works. So basically, I waited, you know, 12 years and saw all the awesome stuff. And then half of, well, shit, more than half of it wasn't even there. So, I mean, it can be annoying. I mean, it's not like I spend every minute of my life checking, but I check every week, every two weeks, every three weeks. I'd do a quick search, see what's going on with it, you know. But it's something I followed for a long time because I like the, I, I love aliens. I'm an aliens fanboy, um, but I love the whole series. But uh, yeah, I mean, people get tired of that stuff. I'm not gonna sue for it. I think this guy's an idiot for suing for five million dollars for it. Um, start taking it back to the stores. You know, hey, this this game does, is doing what it's advertised. I don't know. See how far they get with the stores. If they don't get rid of the stores, I don't know. If a policy for a store is to take something back like that, you know, maybe the retailers will start putting pressure on the develop or on the on the publishers and developers. So something's got to give. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of games coming out that's not even close. We all expect there to be a couple bugs. They can't foresee everything until you get a game under the load. Of say you got Call of Duty sells five, six, seven, eight million copies, whatever the hell they sell. That's five or six, seven million post-beta bug testers essentially. You don't have that before release. So that's understandable that there's going to be some bugs, but. For but he's saying this is, isn't a bug. This is flat out lying. But he's saying, yeah, it all, it, it all bleeds into it. I know, like as far as lawsuits, it. The point goes with it that you know you got either false advertising or you have broken released games. Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft, yeah. So just vote with your wallet. Just wait. Just wait and read a couple reviews. Watch a YouTube video or two about what game you're interested in. Uh, you, you know, do we have to have everything on the first day? No. Um, and if you're one of those people that just absolutely has to have it, that's cool. Just understand what you're going to probably run into half the time with AAA games. They don't deserve the moniker AAA. That's for sure. Your independent games that are basically bug-free and high-quality, those are the ones that deserve AAA. AAA is all about budget, nothing else. And you can see how easy it is to make a game with Mario Maker. And here's the best part. They've decided now to take the Sony route of Create, Share, Play, and you can now share levels in Mario Maker. Um, considering that this is a Nintendo product, it will probably be really fucked up. <laughs> Wouldn't have they done anything easy. You would probably have to put in a 50-digit friend code just to see what somebody else has put on there. Oh, I, ho- I hope they make the sharing easy. I mean, if it they will make work, the sharing but, simple, yeah. oh my God. And, oh, Lord have mercy. I can't even get a simple email from you on my friends list without to go through. I wouldn't bullshit. be surprised if you could only download from list and the list wouldn't have a user's um, 
name attached to it. I would not be surprised. So if you told me you had like a really awesome level, I'd probably have to sort it through like 50 pages of levels in order to find it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I that's something. I mean, I'm just, I'm completely shooting in the wind here, guys. I'm pissing in the wind on this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's just what I come to expect. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how they're going to implement a way of sharing it over your friends list, but not that I can't see they can't do it. It's just, do they have the, the foresight to do it? Um, Nintendo, you know, for all the things they do really well, you know, their internet features are lacking. That's definitely the Japanese gaming culture they have. That's the yeah. problem. Okay. Oh, by the way, I did send you a message on uh, Nintendo. So <laughs> you have to go look for that since you weren't notified of it earlier. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it won't be like a month before I catch that. Street Fighter V runs on Unreal Engine 4. Tell you what, it is a sweet-ass engine, and it's nice to see Street Fighter V running on that. Makes me feel worse looking at the shit I've been trying to do on Unreal. But, yeah. but uh, it would be interesting. I think this is the first Unreal Engine 4 fighting game that I know of. I think so. What's got me excited is PlayStation 5 is, or I'm sorry, not PlayStation 5, but Street Fighter 5 is a PlayStation 4 and PC cross-platform. Yeah, that, that is, is pretty sweet. So at the very least, you PC guys are going to be able to play the game after the first month online. So I say the Unreal Engine has a lot to do with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and really... <sighs> PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, for all intents and purposes, are practically the same thing. I mean, they off, they're the twins. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. Cross-platform would do nothing but boost them. If it wasn't too hard on the architecture to make it work. But yeah, I'm excited to see it. I want to see it run. I love Street Fighter. It's my favorite game series of all time. So, we'll see. Only 20% complete. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a while. If I get like 80% complete and then Capcom will end up having to go bankrupt since they're in such trouble. Well, Sony might just go ahead and buy them out. And then Microsoft to buy them out. And then PlayStation <laughs> 4 owners will get gypped on the next Street Fighter. So then you'll have all your Xbox One fanboys going, ha ha, see? It's not so fun now. Yeah. PlayStation 5, as Scott slipped earlier, because <laughs> I think he was looking at the notes, yeah. will, will most likely be a possibility, said Vice President Masoto. Actually, didn't. I don't see it happening. He said, I think there will be a PlayStation 5. However, I don't know what form it'll have. It could be a physical console, or it could be in a cloud. Um, it's going to be physical. Considering the way broadband is in this country... It would have to be physical. Maybe yeah. in 30 years. If the U.S. wasn't such maybe. a huge market for all consoles, I could see it happening. If we were, you know, I don't know. Well, uh, honestly, if, if everybody had broadband like we're supposed to have it, it would happen. Yeah. I, I could see that because everybody would be comfortable with it because we have the Internet everywhere. But considering how shit... It is because of capitalism. 
which is a good thing, but in this case, it actually it's one of the, it's one of the pitfalls. Technology. Yeah, it's one of the pitfalls. Yeah. I mean, when you have socialist countries that have gigabit <laughs> Ethernets for like twenty dollars a month. Slow down, and we'll drive to your house and send you to the red countries in pieces. <laughs> you commie bastard. I'm the same. You're, you're just saying, you know, communi- capitalism isn't perfect. It's the best, but it's not perfect. It's the best. It's the next best thing after me being the supreme ruler of the world. But yeah, PlayStation Five. I'm not interested in cloud-based. And if I'm gonna go cloud-based, I'm gonna use a PC. Plain and simple. Well, if you go cloud-based, we'll be playing PC. Exactly, but it'll be on servers. They'll have it'll all be on servers, but they'll have some sort of. There'll still be a device to buy, in my opinion. There'll still be a device to buy in order to connect to that service. Oh yeah, you buy a little box, or you can buy a Sony Vavi. The what the fuck's named our TV? Bravio. Bravio. Oh, the te- televisions, yeah. Yeah, Bravio. Whatever it is. Well, you can buy a PlayStation TV, just any bit of a hundred dollar thing, and there you go. Yeah, the strange stretch your TV set. But I, I'm not interested in that. Um, you can't resell your games. A lot, of, not everybody collects games. I do. I keep all mine, but I mean, that's not to say that I wouldn't want to resell mine at some point. Um, Everything would be PlayStation Plus. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, is PlayStation folds, you lose access to every. I don't see it folding, but you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but if if it folds, I mean, who would have thought Sega was going to get out of the the game, um, or Nintendo would be posting four years of profit losses? I mean, shit can go south for these companies. Uh, PlayStation Three had a rocky launch. So I don't want to subscribe to a cloud-based service where all my game purchases are tied to that, and if a cloud-based service ends up costing too much or going out of business or isn't supported 10 or 15 years down the future, the 10, 20, 30 games that I buy a generation for a system, which is usually about 30, um, I don't have access to them anymore because I don't have a disc. It's just like a Xbox One's original announcement if you have to connect every 24 hours. you know, uh, I just don't have faith in systems like that. You know, I mean, I, w- I would be awesome to go all digital and not have to take up all this space. I mean, those are definitely awesome pluses to being all digital. But man, you just, I don't know. I want, when I buy content, I want it to be my content. I still get pissed off when I have to get up and put in a disc. It's like, why should I have to put in a disc to play a game now? I've been doing yeah, this annoying. shit for 30 years now. It's Everything annoying. should be on there. Yeah. And then you got people like Nintendo who give you 32 gigs. Seriously? Absolutely. I mean, at least thank God they allow me to put a two terabyte external hard drive onto it. Yeah, and thank God they don't have forty gigabyte patches. Yeah, Nintendo actually gets that shit right. Yeah, they at least get that much right. You have to you have to find ways to break their games, not not just turn the system on. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, I like owning stuff. I'm a collector at heart, but at the same time, if I could go all digital and have trust in it for the rest of my life. Till the day I die, then yeah, I would be on top of that because I, you know, but I keep my games upstairs. So anytime I switch games, I gotta run upstairs and then come back down. But that's just an extra way to burn some extra calories for this guy. So it's it's not that big an issue for me. But some days I'm I sit down on the couch when I have a few minutes and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to run upstairs. I'm just being lazy. But I mean that's that's legitimate complaint for people. I mean, that's, that's, what that's what they want to do. Well, if you had a PlayStation Vita. Or PlayStation TV, you wouldn't have to. Right. The only thing that sucks about the PlayStation TV is it's not compatible with all the games. Yeah. Because of the touchscreen. But I, you know, but it's not I like we have that games. many games anyway. 
which games is it? Yeah. I need to get me a Vita sometime. There are some interesting looking games on it. And with PlayStation Plus, we are missing out on a lot of the free games coming out. Well, once I get one, I have a lot of games that I have purchased. Did you see the report where um, I think it was like $1,635 worth of free games you were getting this year for $50? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've checked out all the um, Vita games that were available. So I have an instant library if I do get a Vita. Yeah, that's why I got PlayStation 4 instead of Xbox One. Yeah. Okay. Scott, you played the Banner Saga. How many patches have you had to install? Not one. Why not? Because they finished their game. I mean, isn't that part of the fun? That's part of the fun. You get ready to play a game, you go ahead and you install it, and then you install the update file. You can go, you can make a sandwich, you grab a drink, come back, and then you're ready to go. Yeah. So is this this says um, it's a contender for your game of the year. I have to say yes, that's a contender for my game of the year. I've played a few hours, uh, which you know, obviously, I I think I should have to at least get ninety percent of the way through a game before I can really call it a contender. But I think I can have it finished by the end of the year. Um, I'm not gonna have. Um, <laughs> uh, Skyrim done by the end of the year. Uh, no, but you know that that was not in this year, anyways. Um, Merry Christmas and all that. So, well, the one I sent you, you might be able to actually finish it. Yeah, and you didn't have to do that, but yeah. you just said, "Hey, that sounds interesting." I thought, "Ah, it's Christmas time. I'll I'll send him a game." Yeah. Um, it gives you something to review on the show. But back to Banner Saga, man, this game—it's the art style, the. The what voice acting there is, is is actually really well done. It's got a pretty solid story. Um, you got some uh, humans, and you got these uh, creatures called the Varl, which are basically just giant humans with like I don't know some sort of horns. They're pretty cool looking, and uh, they can live like hundreds of years or something. But it's and then on the there what happens is they're uh, moving across this uh, ancient land. And then you can play other parts of the story as this guy and his daughter, and you're moving towards the Varl group. And I'm sure their stories are going to intertwine in the middle. Um, maybe they'll even join up. But it bounces back and forth between the two two sides. And the combat is kind of like your, you know, your classic RPG tactics game, kind of like a Final Fantasy Tactics or something like that. You're moving your characters around on a little grid, and they have different attacks, and they can move so many spaces, and you have willpower. And, you have these two two primary stats are like strength and armor, and you have to break down. They're both equally important in order to increase your damage. You want to break their armor and things like that. Um, the game is not remotely easy. Um, it's 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 got a pre, it's got a decent little learning curve, but it's I wouldn't call it uh, overwhelmingly difficult, but I would call it hard, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and that's just on normal difficulty. So uh, the other thing is you got kind of an Oregon Trail aspect to it, where you have to have enough supplies so that when your caravans moving from uh, town to town or area to area, they have to have enough supplies to survive the trip, and that's really interesting. And there's a lot of branching narrative where you can select how the um, what responses you have, like kind of like a Mass Effect, but it, it it affects you later on in the game what you say or what you do. So there's uh, like one section you can choose to ignore these guys that are wanting to leave their village, and the the village leaders like tell them they can't leave. You can either just leave them there to get their asses kicked, or you can help them. 
you know. So that all plays out in your morale of your caravan and everything else. So very interesting. But yeah, it, I think it's I think it's it's got a great score uh, and the combat system's it's pretty fun. But each fight is a long fight. It's not something you're going to be done in five minutes. I mean, I'm guessing 10, 12, 13 minutes of fight that I've had so far. I haven't really timed it. Um, but as far as progress of the game goes, it's very, very, very slow. Like molasses, molasses on Hoth. I mean, it just creeps along. But I'm fine with that because I like games like that. And it really falls back to a lot of the old school RPGs like in the Windows 95 and DOS days as far as its appearance and art style and stuff. Very interesting. Kind of makes me think of like, actually, it's kind of strange, but there was an old 101 Dalmatians game for Windows 95, and it makes me think of that as far as like the way the art and stuff works. So, but it's a very solid, very, very excellent game. You probably hate it, though. Are you there, Paul? Sorry. Train was coming, but I had to mute it. Oh, sorry. Thought I rambled along too long. <laughs> no, it's a train. Um, beep, edit. Is it a turn-based strategy? Yeah, turn-based tactical strategy. Yeah, I'd hate it. Yeah, that's figured. Didn't think you like those kinds, but it's it's excellent for its genre. How does the dialogue tree work when? I click. Is it more like Mass Effect or more like um, Dragon Age? It's a little more like Mass Effect. Um, so the guy's actually gonna speak whatever. Oh no 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 no! He's going to, it's, so it's supposed to like Dragon Age then. It just text. Okay okay I see what you're saying now. Yeah yeah I like Dragon. It's just text. Um, the voice acting's for like so far the only voice acting I've seen is in the early cutscenes, and it was very good. I'm expecting there's gonna be more as you hit big plot points. But, uh, yeah, and you go through all the different responses, and then you get counter-responses and uh, finish out the tree. So you find out what you're going to do, and it affects stuff. You get gifts and things like that and extra supplies, depending on how you answer. It's, I, I really enjoy it. Very good game. Highly recommended. And it was $5 on Steam sale or something like that. No, I think it was on the Humble Bundle website. It was $5. The art looks a lot like the... Um, oh, was the cartoon? The animated feature from... No, no, it looks more like the cartoons from the 80s with the um, with the rats that were living in the field. Secrets of Nim? Yeah, looks a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah, it looks a little bit like that. Looks a little cleaner. Yeah, very good, very good game. Now, do you want to send people to the website for your Smash Brothers uh, <laughs> bundle pack here, or do you want to talk about it here? Let's talk about it here. You don't want to write that shit up again. <laughs> no, I've heard it once. I don't want to copy and paste it because mainly I don't like Squarespace and how the pictures work. It's driving me insane. But anyways, um, what is the total cost of making Super Smash Bros. 8 player? Uh, it requires a lot of stuff. Um, first off, assume you have a Wii U. And assume you have the gamepad. And assume you have one Wii Remote nunchuck left over from the Wii days. Okay? Or you've bought since you've had a Wii U. So we're going to go out and we're going to buy Smash Brothers and we're going to make it eight player. Okay? So we're all excited. We need six more controllers and we need a copy of... Uh, but we're, we're really dead set on having the GameCube controls for that awesome GameCube control experience playing Smash. So we're going to start with the GameCube adapter. 
well, we're going to start with a copy of Smash Brothers. 60 bucks. Okay? So you're $60 right there. Excellent game. It's amazing. GameCube adapter, $85 to $100 on Amazon or eBay. Normally it's $20, but scalpers are running wild. One of the pitfalls of capitalism and free markets. Um, so there's 60 and 85. Uh, you want four of the new GameCube controllers, say Smash branded? Well, they're going to be $160 total. They're $40 a pop. So we're going to fill up. Yeah. So we need. So now, once we do that, we have six total controls. Now we want two more controls. GameCube controls. Uh, the Wii U will only read four of them. It'll only read one adapter. So two Wii U Pro controls will be $100. Or if you get two of the Wii U branded Wiimotes and nunchucks, $120. So your total to make Super Smash Brothers eight player, assuming you already have a Wii U, a gamepad, and one Wii remote and nunchuck combo, will run you $405. Dollars if you buy the two Pro Controllers, and $425 if you buy the two Wii U-branded Wiimotes and Nunchucks. So to get that big, awesome eight-player feature, you're going to shell out $400 start to finish. That's crazy amount of money to spend on that. Can eight people play at the same time, though? Yes. On the same console? Yes. I thought you can only do four. No, there's eight-player Smash. I thought 8 Smash was online, but you can't do it in person. I hope you're wrong. You know why? Because it just made this whole segment pointless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep talking. I'll, I'll fact check. I'm already ahead of you, Googling. Let's see. 8-player uh, Smash. Let's see. I don't think you can do 8-player online. I think you can For do For the it first online. time ever in the Smash Brothers series, you can play with up to 8 players at once. Only the time and stock rule setting can be used in eight player smash. I know it's an option. No, it's it's on the console. It's there in your house. Um, oh, wait, okay, here it is. Yeah, it's, it's in the main smash only. menu. Offline only, yes. It's in the main smash menu instead of the online menu. So I guess it can hold eight GameCube controls. I was wrong on that. It will run with eight GameCube controllers. Huh. My bad. It's also, you can use a Nintendo 3DS as a controller, too. But, you have to have uh, a copy of Super Smash Brothers for 3DS. Whew. Good thing. I was about to feel really stupid. A-Player Smash looks awesome. I've only played four-player Smash um, as far as, you know, actual people. I've run four players plus four CPU on my system, which makes me even feel even more dumb because I didn't have a quick answer to that. Because um, I have used like my Amiibos and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's an awesome feature. I mean, eight players. If you have eight people that's interested in playing, man, the game, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, is oh, it $425 worth of fun? I don't think so. I'll never have eight people in my house wanting to play Smash Brothers. No. I've had four that wasn't my family. It surprised me, but uh, as far as eight goes, no, not gonna happen. Maybe if they brought all their kids with them, we would do it. Somebody complained about, well, it's not really fair that you get to use the pro controller and I have to use the the Wii mote or tangent. That's the word's gonna precede what I'm about to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is is it really that good on the old ass controller from twenty years ago? I I from my experience and pulling out my version of Brawl or not Brawl but Melee and uh, my GameCube, I really do like the GameCube control. If I'm playing in a tournament setting, I'm probably going to want a GameCube control. But and this is like I say, tangent is about to happen. Uh, I can switch from a game cab or a game pad to a pro control to a Wiimote to a GameCube to a Sega Genesis to a PS1 to any control that's ever been devised first party anyways and play just fine um, yes some controls are better than others for certain things the D-pad on the 360 is squishy the sticks on the PS3 are not really all that great for first person shooters but overall I don't understand why people flip the hell out over having the Switch controls. I don't see any huge advantage, especially in Smash Brothers, between GamePad, Pro Control, or Wiimotes. Uh, I haven't played the newest Smash Brothers with a GameCube control to really qualify on that, but really the biggest difference is, is you have a direct wired connection to your GameCube, which reduces a few milliseconds of lag on input lag, which would be more important in a, a setting where you're going to be competing for money or prizes. But... I mean, controls a control. I mean, unless you've only played one, I don't see what the big deal is about switching from control to control. So, I thought the Wiimote controls actually worked pretty well. Surprised. Now, on to something that I have no interest in whatsoever, but uh, would you care to enlighten us on the Amiibo aspect of the Smash what? Brothers? Amiibos. Amiibos are a cool collectible. First off, okay, I'll get into their game applications in a second. They're a really cool collectible if you're into Nintendo stuff, or if you have just one or two characters you really like. Uh, if you go for a full range of Amiibos and a full eight-player Smash setup, you're looking at like 780 bucks, 770 bucks, because people are scalping some of the Amiibos because they're predicting future collectability because of the Nintendo name. Um, I don't think they're necessary. They're fun. We've got a whole set because I love freaking Nintendo uh, collectibles type stuff. Uh, they're the first first party, widely mass market Nintendo figures I think it's been available um, outside of, say, a Happy Meal. So, I mean, there's that. That's cool. Functionality in Smash Brothers is you take your little amiibo and you put it on your little console and you can name it and change the outfit and stuff like that, just the collars. And uh, you train them up. And as you're playing through the game, you pick up armor and weapon upgrades or whatever, and they affect the stats of your character. And you can train your amiibo up, and it continues to learn. And it can level from 1 to 50, but even after level 50, the amiibo continues to learn. About level 38 or 39, I got to where I couldn't hardly beat my amiibos. I had a Fox McCloud that I named Dingo, after my old rat terrier, rest her soul. And she kicks the mortal piss out of me every time I play. Um, but they do learn, and you can you can change tactics in one match. And I don't know if it's like um, a water pill or well, not a water pill, but a sugar pill. What they call it, a placebo effect. Mm -hmm. But it seems like maybe within a couple of matches, certain tactics don't work as effectively. So you have to change your game up. I think amiibos, for the most part, are going to be really good for people that prefer to play online and they want to practice. Like, say if you're having trouble against the Fox McCloud player, then maybe you will try out 
you know, practicing against your Fox McCloud Amiibo, which gets ridiculously difficult in its own right. Um, but you don't get any extra characters in the game. You can fight against your Amiibos and train them up, but that's really about all you can do with them in Smash Brothers. They act as DLC for a multitude of games, which is really neat, plus you have a physical collectible. Uh, like in Mario Kart, they add uh, different uniforms for certain Amiibos. I think there's eight of them compatible with Mario Kart 8. And there's a couple of them compatible with Hyrule Warriors. And there's a couple that's going to be compatible with uh, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. And future games. So I don't think Amiibos are a must-have, but I do think they're a cool, non-essential accessory if you're interested in them. And I'm definitely interested in them because I just like Nintendo. Basically, I just like Nintendo. So it's fine for me in the collectible aspect. Uh, but I like them, but I'm not overly impressed with their functionality. And I think the biggest issue is they don't have a standalone game. But that's your Amiibos in a nutshell. Right now, they just give you access to DLC across multiple games, which really isn't a bad deal since you have a physical collectible. And some of them are being scalped in price. I think the... Uh, Marth and the Wii Fit Trainer and the Villager are all going for, like, starting to go for stupid amounts of money, especially Marth. that it? That's it. All right. I don't know anything about Amiibos, so I don't pay attention to them that much. Yeah, if you don't have Smash and you're looking at them purely from a functional perspective... There, there's no reason to have them if you don't have Smash Brothers yeah. at this point, in my opinion. And even then, it's kind of iffy. But if you just like Nintendo 101, awesome. In movie news, our movie news segment, which we can burn through real quick, Tim Burton says there will be a sequel to Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton is interested to return because Tim Burton is going to be doing it. The interview was pulled. But it's back on for some indie theaters on Christmas. And Chris Pratt and... Oh, shit. What's... Chatting Tatum. Tatum. Yeah. Um, hopefully wanting to do a Ghostbusters spinoff. The only news that really matters out of that is the Ghostbusters spinoff because we know for a fact the Beetlejuice sequel will be touch or go because the guy who wrote the script is the guy who did Dark Shadows and that was shit. Yeah. So um, I don't remember what the exact report was, but I think it was Chris Pratt. No, Tatum Tatum was the one who wanted to do the. It was his idea to do this. Yeah, it came out of the. It came out of the Sony hack. Yeah. So, uh, it'll. I think it's going to be a safer money bet than an all-female cast. It'll make more money. Yeah. Channing Tatum and uh, Chris Pratt or. Kind of, I mean, they make ladies kind of, whoo, they get all excited. An all-female cast? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a problem watching an all-female cast. I think it's a really ballsy move to make, um, but I just don't see it making as much money because that's just the way the market is. Well, I don't have a problem with the female cast either, as long as you don't call it Ghostbusters, because then it just seems like you're just, you're. It's like you don't have enough faith in the the girls to make it unless you put the Ghostbuster name on there. I can see that. Never thought of it like that. So, eh, 
Maybe they have like competing movies. <laughs> Tatum, Tatum and Pratt in I don't know. Well, LA. I already know who's gonna win that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you had competing writers, maybe that'll make a difference. Shitty script, shitty movie. Shitty director, shitty movie. Just depends on who they hire. I did like Twenty One Jump Street though. Oh yeah, it was good. It I was didn't good. see the second one yet, but I haven't. I haven't seen that. Um, Channing Tatum surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt, oh, he's good. So yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I um. Going back to our last episode, I think. Did you watch the Howard the Duck? No, I forgot oh about my that. God, seriously, mom even saw it before you did. I totally freaking forgot about that. <laughs> and it was your copy. That's what I said. Hold on a minute. Yes, I need to see that. Can't believe it. Howard the Duck, man. It was like, honestly, it's probably the greatest movie ever made. I remember. God, Leah Thompson was hot. Running around and running Oh, shut up. Oh, that was good. Oh, have mercy. I hope you don't talk in your sleep. Oh, you sexist woman hater. Why would you say such things? <laughs> Why would you admit that your body was designed to be attracted to women? Why would you do such things? You misogynist. So anyways, yes, she was gorgeous in that movie. Um, Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, will arrive on January 27, 2015 on Blu-ray, DVD, I guess it's also going to be available online at the same time. I guess. Might as well. Um, wow, Sean Astin's playing Shazam? Say what? Justice League Throne of Atlantis features Matt Lantern, Sam Witwer, Chris Gorm, Jason Omar. Okay, I was, I was totally on the wrong... Okay, Howard the Duck, awesome, because it was Howard the Duck. But I, I was, I thought you almost made my heart stop because I thought Sean Astin was gonna play Shazam in yeah, no, 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 no. and I was like, what? Sean Astin versus The Rock. I wonder who's gonna win that match. Yeah. Uh wow. Rosario. I would have been surprised. Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman. He could actually play the young Shazam. I like Sam Witwer. He's all right for what he does. Jerry O'Connell is playing Superman. Nathan Fillion returning as Green Lantern. Yes, that's a guy they should have hired to begin with, apparently. They should have, but why would they do that? That's a smart thing to do. Well, I thought Ryan Reynolds was a shoe-in for Hal Jordan, too. The script had a lot to do with it now. <laughs> apparently, the director's cut's really good. Green Lantern? Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. I, I will admit this. It was better than I thought it would be. I haven't seen the director's cut, but the actual theatrical release was better than I thought it would be. Oh, it's it's not anything I hated. It's just the I think the villain was just freaking trash, man. It was a cloud. Ooh. You know. Yeah, we whatever. had that before. Isn't that what Galactic? Is? Galactic. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. He's like a, a no, no, no. That's right. Fox is right. He's a big cloud. Save on budget. Got it. Yeah. What they should have just had him do was fight Sinestro at the end. Like he finds out about some sort of plot Sinestro's already wrapped up in, and they get into their big brawl. Well, maybe they thought that this is going to be a big hit. We're going to have a sequel. Sinestro was so fucking awesome in that movie. All, yeah, all the was, side yeah. characters were great. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I really don't think that Reynolds was bad. I just think the villain was weak, which made the rest of it fall flat to me. Yeah. There was like the scene when 
when Hal Jordan was sitting in the uh, couch trying to make things work, it was a little funny, but that's when it was like it felt too much like this is Ryan Reynolds, this is Ryan Reynolds, this is Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was a couple of moments like that, and that was one of them. Um, but I mean, I guess if you're gonna have Ryan Reynolds, maybe you play off of his strengths, and his dry wit is pretty good. So, but we've seen it ten thousand times at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like Johnny Depp. As much as I love the guy, uh, as much as I love his work, anyways, I don't know the guy. As much as I love his work, um, it's this. It's it's getting to the point that we've seen it all a thousand times. Marvel Entertainment has announced that Mike Holter from Halo Nightfall has been cast as Luke Cage in Marvel's AKA Jessica Jones for the Netflix series. Better known to fans around the world as Power Man, the hero for life, hire, Coulter will play opposite Kristen Ritter's Jessica Jones. Coulter will also get his own series titled Luke Cage. Both characters slash actors will join Charlie Cox's Daredevil, Daredevil in the cultivation of the Marvel Netflix series in The Defenders. I think that Coulter is probably my favorite live-action actor ever cast as Luke Cage. Yes. Bar none. Because it's the only thing I've ever heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, awesome deal for him. I wish I could get cast in a Marvel movie, but... um... I'll just yeah, there's all there's that. Yeah. So but hey, yeah, I just I just I'm not familiar with the guy. I've seen Nightfall and it's just not ringing a bell. So hopefully he does the part justice. He looks the part. Um, <sighs> no, I'm not talking about his skin color. I mean even his facial structure, he ta- he looks the part. So I would like for him to be this a little bit bigger. He looks a little bit too. Um... Oh yeah, Luke Cage is ridiculous. Yeah, this guy He's needs to pop up a little bit. Yeah. He's ginormous. So, but hey, he's got time. And steroids, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Should be legal. I can't wait to see the Netflix stuff, though. Should be good. Should be good. Yeah, I've got high hopes for it. Uh, on to our last segment. Um, Excellent news. Are you are you ready? Hogan wants no Todd to run, brother. I, you know, there is nothing I want to see more before the day I leave this world than to see Hulk Hogan get another freaking title run. No, I'm not ready. I will never be ready. <laughs> Dude, you've done your part. You've spent the last 15 years congratulating yourself and patting yourself on the back along with every other legend. As much as I like what the work they've done, I'm just sick of the self-congratulating. But just let it go. Move on. If you want another big match... I guess, but to have a run, I don't know. He was vying. I don't think he needs another run. He was vying hard for a match at WrestleMania 30, but I don't think he was medically cleared for it. It's not probably see, that not going to get now because that's 30. That's the, that's another 10 WrestleManias. I'm fine with him being involved. I mean, I know it's not all about me, but I'm I'm just sick of seeing him. I mean, I'm just done, man. I'm done. He's had a billion title runs. He ran WCW into the ground. <laughs> Just go away. I think Hogan doesn't want his last match to be in TNA. I don't so, blame him. So That's just get, have another big match. Get, let him have one title more. run. Don't give him the title. Just just let him have like work Cena or somebody. I'm sure he, he wants to be somebody big. Hell, he don't want to go out with his shoulders on the mat. No. That's fine. Flair did. That's what Flair was best at, selling other people. I don't so. know who, who the hell I would put Hogan against. I guess you could always work the Giant again, give him the big show. 
Yeah. She's gonna lose it to everybody anyway, so what difference does it make now? In a body slam match. There you go. <laughs> First person to body slam somebody wins the match. And you could have you could have those like dramatic moments of Hogan getting picked up and doing eye pokes and stuff to survive. You, you know what I mean? Grabbing onto the ropes and holding on because Hogan plays a rule breaker really well. Yeah, for a for a baby face, he, he plays a hill great, doesn't he? he? Oh, he played it. Oh, when he was in ring, people talk about his in ring skills sucking, and well, okay, so he had a body slam and a leg drop and all that. But That's man, he when he Japan. when he did the uh, the hill the the rule breaker stuff as a baby face. He was really, really good at it. He really sold it to the crowd. That's what it's about. Let him do something like that. That would be awesome because that would that would so be an homage maybe to the to the Andre the Giant match. Um, did you? And see, then you know, let him slam him. Did you watch that link I sent you a few months ago when Hogan was in Japan? Yes. Yeah, and I said Hogan's a great technical wrestler. You're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He had great technical aspects, but overall, I didn't really think much of it. But yeah, uh, it was a, that was a good video. Yeah, using that chain wrestling. Hogan how does much, an instigiri kick. When how was the last much? Have you seen Hogan do that? How much of what Hogan did in America was because that's all Hogan had to do? It didn't I mean see. he didn't have the ability yeah. to do it. I don't think there's hardly a wrestler out there who don't have the ability to go in and do a a move set that they've practiced ahead of time, yeah. but. They know what sells, and they know what they can get away with. Hogan and if the crowd quits it. paying attention, then you spice it up and add some other things, maybe. So Punch, I, hey, leg drop, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's all I needed. Probably added another 20 years to his career just by playing it safe. Well, yeah. I mean, look at other guys that got to his age. Yeah. And didn't roid as much as him. I mean, <laughs> you know, he should be. He should have died a long time ago of a heart attack. Knock on wood, I don't wish a guy any yeah. ill will. And, I mean, I love... I've I've always loved watching him, but there just comes a point. You just step away, man. Just step away. And I mean, he has stepped away for a while, but just give him a big match. Give him something awesome like, I don't know, like what I thought of. I mean, I hate to say that. I think it'd be a good idea. I would I would be definitely interested in seeing that match. Big show and a body slam match. Um, and Hogan can lose by body slam also. But Hogan can only win by body slam. If you want to drop somebody, I mean... Rusev is the super foreign heel right now. Let Hogan Ooh, work Rusev. Yeah, that would be a good homage. You know, like the Iron Sheik yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I mean, there there is something you can do with Hogan to make it interesting for one night. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, I, and let's be, I'm going to be fair. I might be pretty cynical about him. There's probably a lot more you could do with Hogan to make him interested for maybe at least a few weeks or months. But, it's not anything that's going to carry for any sort of long amount of time. He's just he's way past that age. So. Yeah, I'll say do that. Let Rusev continue to dominate everybody, and then just let Hogan feed him to Hogan. That's what we've always done. It always works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have him have him getting his ass beat, and then you and the whole crowd says yeah. you and Hogan points. And I you know I've I have seen that a thousand times, and every time I see it, it wants to bring a smile to my face. Yeah, there's so absolutely... You! You're mine! You know? <laughs> there's no shame to losing to Hulk Hogan at this point. No. You can no. say he's, he's 60 years old, but look, well, he's more than that, I think. But look, everybody knows wrestling's at work. Fuck, yeah. I'd lose to Hogan. There's a couple right. people I wouldn't lose, but hell, I'd go... Let Hogan pin me. Yeah. Probably a lot of them we wouldn't have a choice, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Rusev for the big show. Oh, Lord, yeah. or most of them. But, yeah, I mean, 
Man, the more we talk about it, the more excited I get about it, actually. <laughs> not about a title run. Not about a title run. But about one big match. One now big I match. want to see Hogan versus Rusev. Now, yeah, now you got me thinking. I like my big show idea, and I like the Rusev idea. So, I, I could definitely handle that. Because Hogan, I mean, he may have buried WCW, but he did a lot of good, too. Had he not been so big, the whole WCW Nitro Wars would never have happened. So, they had their shot, they just blew it. I wonder how Hogan would do in a Hall of Fame if we actually had one. Hmm. I wonder. NXT. Curious. They had their takeover. So, I think our evolution, you watched a little bit of it, maybe most of it. And they had their follow-up show, so... um, Want to talk about either one of those? Um, I've watched bits and pieces of the takeover, and I watched most of the follow-up. Um, I definitely like NXT. Uh, I'm not gonna say I love it, but I like it. Way better than Raw. I see a lot of people. You know, they're working hard. Uh, some of these guys, like Kevin Owens, his energy is unreal. Um, I mean, he could go out and do Hogan's move set, and I would just be like, this guy's amazing. Um, He's he's just hard he's just energetic and it carries over. So he was he was definitely fun to watch. Um catching up on William Regal, who was a guy I liked to watch back in the day. Um he's a, he's he's excellent on the mic. He's excellent on the camera. Um Adrian Neville moved really well. He had a little kick combo. I thought that was a pretty neat little move that he had going on. I I'm guessing that's one of his signature moves. Yeah. I'm not really familiar with him. The biggest problem I have with Neville is that the guy he doesn't really know how to put a match together yet. That's his problem. He can't tell a story. Yeah. If you watch um any of his matches when he's not working someone like um Owens or Kevin Steen, same guy. Or um uh, who else has he worked as really good? Well, um Sami Zayn. Their match was awesome. At the pay-per-view. But Sammy can tell a story. Neville is... I think he's being moved up to the main roster pretty soon, but I think he really needs to stay there for at least another year and really get his shit down. Yeah, he moves good, though. I'll give him that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Bailey and Lynch... I thought they were pretty good. I just don't think they sell their moves very well. Um, their yelling just almost had me giggling. <laughs> as far as getting hit and taking bumps, it just didn't seem like they were selling all that well. Um, that's an experience thing, I'm sure. I mean, I, I and I'm talking about these people. I can't do their job. I can't. But I've watched enough that I know when I'm convinced. They just didn't convince me. Especially a when of, there's a lot of talent there. They just they just that match that particular match. Mm-hmm. It didn't convince me. But the um, did you watch the Charlotte and Shasa Banks match from Takeover? I did. I did watch that. That was that good. Was, that was good. Charlotte Flair's a little girl, so. And I've never been too interested in watching the females wrestle. Yeah. I mean, I've watched a few of them, and it's not an anti-female thing. It's actually a pro-female thing. Is I I'm a I'm a red-blooded male. I appreciate a, a beautiful lady in a thong. Just as next as as much as the well, next. Why does it have to be in the thong? Why can't it be in the? Okay, the something skimpy. All right. But the thing is, when I watch the women wrestle, it that's what it's all about. You know, 
historically, that's what it's been about. A lot well, of especially once you get up to the WWE Diva Division. I. Uh, yeah. But you noticed how the difference between how NXT presents these girls as opposed to WWE. Absolutely. But I'm so sick of the cookie cutter divas in the brief amount of time I've been trying to catch back up that I it's just I just want to turn the channel or well not the channel but just skip to the next match as soon as I see a diva match. I'm just like, eh, I'm not interested because I know what it's going to be." Yeah, NXT kind of doesn't go go that route. And I love, you know, pretty women and all that, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Just let's move beyond this. Let's let's get down to telling that story and and giving us convincing matches and and evaluating them for their in-ring ability rather than how good they look in their bikinis that they wrestle in or their panty and bra matches, which I don't think they do panty and bra matches anymore, right? Mm-mm. Because no, it's PG. more more friendly than it was, which I'm glad, you know, because uh, the Attitude Era got really old even when I was watching it really fast. Um, so, yeah. That's all we had back then. We had no That's all we had back so. then. Let them work. Let them work. Let them, let them show what they have as far as mm. talent and what they have to offer besides just their looks. Um, China wasn't the greatest technical wrestler. She wasn't even remotely attractive to me, and it's not because of her build. It was just, I guess it was her face. <laughs> 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 but I mean, not don't mind a muscular woman either. But... I thought she had an, a presence, a weight when she was in the ring. Okay. And For any woman listening to this show, you can email Scott, scottpalmstro.gmail.com. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to say that I didn't, you know, I don't even know what the point I'm trying to say now because I'm laughing. But China wasn't all that. <laughs> Let's just break it down. She wasn't all that as far as uh, a wrestler goes. But she was someone that what I'm saying is not your typical Barbie-looking wrestler. They could get in the in the ring and be intimidating and be uh, someone you could take seriously, instead of this this other crap they have with these little these little supermodel girls. But these little supermodel girls could go out there and do that too if if they just weren't out there trying to sell their bodies for wrestling. And that, and that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Even though I know China wasn't above selling her body and all that, good for her, whatever she wants to do. But I didn't dislike her and say she's bad because she didn't look like freaking Sable or something. I just want to see them get by on their merits, and it's not. And I'm not blaming the female wrestlers. I'm blaming the bosses and supervisors, the guys calling the shots in WWE and NXT. You know, don't try to sell them on that stuff. Try to sell them as good, legitimate wrestlers. Which it seems like it's better than it was when I used to watch Real Heavy. Uh, moving on off of that topic in China's face. Sorry, China. Um, the two, because you know, whatever. The two huge guys on the tag team. What were their names? Um, the Ascension. The Ascension. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> their promo was, I don't know. It just had me giggling, man. It reminded me of the Warrior. Um, but as far as watching them work, I thought they were pretty cool. So. Yeah. What do you think of um, Finn Balor? Who? The Finn Balor. Finn he Balor. was the guy that was in the makeup. On a paper. I missed that segment. Really? Yeah. And you go back and watch it. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that part out. That was a tag team match with the Ascension. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, it's. I don't know, man. When you're in the ring with the Ascension, 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of you're limited in what you can do. Yeah, um, I need more exposure to that to that bunch, but yeah, yeah, definitely see potential. Definitely liked it. Overall, does NXT give you the um, nostalgic feeling of the old WCW Saturday Night? I was just gonna say. It reminds me of WCW just prior to Nitro starting. Yeah. That's what I think when I watch NXT. Yeah. I get that same vibe. And that was exactly what I was thinking when you said it. It's like, I think it was one CNN Center where they were in front of like 20 people. And the show's kind of set up like that. But it looks like when they went to uh, Center Stage where it was the one right after that where you had like maybe 500 people in there. Yeah. Right before they went to Orlando. You remember can tell, the, this you remember is, the old uh, WCW ring that rotated? Yeah, that was one in Orlando. Well, there was one before that. No, when, no, no. That was one in like Orlando. Purple and all that stuff? Was Orlando outside or inside? No, it was inside. Okay, maybe that's what it was. seems to me that it was before that they had a rotating ring at one point. No, that that was the one that was in Orlando, and before that it was it was center stage. Before that it was a little studio, but it looks like it looks like it was the old one in center, and then they spruced it up a little bit. But you can tell Hunter loves old school wrestling because this is Hunter's show. Triple H is the one doing this. Oh, really? Yeah, this is his baby. Ah, so now, okay. So See, this Hunter is, just went up about 50 points in my book. Yeah, this is why it's all old school and pro wrestling, because this is what he grew up with. This is what he likes. It's what I miss. And this is should give everybody hope that if you like NXT, whenever Vince is dead and gone, Hunter's going to be in charge. So you'll get this, hopefully, if he can get past Stephanie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've watched some of the recent WWE stuff, and I mean, there's things to like, but... Well, this is the thing. When they were getting ready to, to do the promo for the show, okay, so let's put somebody from NXT on Raw to help promote the show. So they put Charlotte on there. Well, Vince decides to go ahead, since we don't have a lot of time, go ahead and have um, Natalie kill Charlotte in two minutes. Hunter's like, well, wait a minute. We're trying to promote the show here. It makes absolutely no sense to have somebody from the show you're trying to promote get killed on TV, especially in two minutes. But Especially somebody even, with a good freaking skill set. And even Natty said, well, yeah, me losing makes the most sense for the business. And, and she likes going to NXT, so yeah, it makes sense. Hunter fought and fought, and Vince said, nope. So Hunter said, you know what? Fine. Go ahead. However, lose, because in six months, when we bring her up to the main roster again, nobody will remember this fucking match anyway. True. So, so I mean, it's... <sighs> there... There's been kind of talk that um, maybe Vince buries people in... <laughs> on NXT for that reason that a lot of the hardcore fans and where it is getting to Vince that 
people like NXT a hell of a lot better than the product he puts out. So his own son-in-law's product is better than his. So God, Vince is going to fucking awesome bury it. Ed Turner came back and was like, I want another wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it TXN. <laughs> and, and he hires Hunter to run it. And then Hunter hires a bunch of freaking talent away. He just brings oh, everybody from the I next team. I can dream. Over. I can dream. Yes, I would go subscribe to cable TV again tomorrow and watch that every Monday night. But I can see Vince doing that, bearing yeah. his own company, because it's better than what he's putting out. Well, let's hope that they don't cut it, because I'm I'm definitely definitely digging NXT. So I don't uh, think they're cut it because they don't have any other choice. But I mean, my God, they don't even. You have I mean, you're trying to get people to buy the network. Show them how fucking good these people are. Don't yeah. bury them when you got them on there. Oh, and how about this? How about you show a freaking advertisement for NXT on Raw? So people, oh, this is on the network? This looks interesting. This yeah. looks completely different than what I'm seeing every fucking Monday night. I yeah. think I'll check out the network. But no, they don't do that. They just completely ignore it. Well, Vince needs competition. Unfortunately, he's not going to get it from an outside source, so maybe getting it from his son-in-law will do it for him. Hopefully. So, but, but he could just bury it and say, nope, this is cr- no. Nope. But I'm definitely on the Triple H uh, oh, yeah. club right now. So, I know we don't really have this on our list. Um, would you be interested in talking about dream scenario for Sting? Triple H kind of made me think of that. <clears throat> I still would like to see Sting just do the one and done. Have him go in there, work Hunter at Mania, go over, put him in the uh, Hall of Fame this year since they're in California. And that's a good send-off for Sting. Don't push it. You don't know how many matches he has left in him. He himself said, I have one left. And last year, Hunter did have the match of the year, I think. Well, this year uh, against Daniel Bryan. That was the best match at WrestleMania. I would give it to, to Hunter. Because you can't put him in there with Flair again. Don't want to put him in there against Hogan again. you got to put him in there against somebody he hasn't worked before. And he may have worked Hunter when he was a job guy in WCW. But he... I, I would like for him to work Stone Cold too, but Stone Cold is not going to work. No. And I don't really care about him working The Undertaker. No, they run that. The Undertaker getting injured probably didn't help either, but yeah, I mean... I'd say the Brock Lesnar match would have been pretty good if Taker didn't get a concussion first five minutes. They probably had a good plan to, to really... I mean, probably, but, you know, it's still just... Whatever, it's Brock. And I still uh, don't know whose fault it was. If if Brock was just too powerful, or Taker was too old, or it was just an accident. What about Sting and the WWE title? No, don't give him the belt. He doesn't don't need think it. Don't give him the belt. Doesn't need it. Yes. Well, I mean, did you watch the interview with Vince, where Vince was like, "Belts don't mean shit anymore." True. True. Still, be nice that's the difference of NXT. That he had a that he had and a WCW belt and a WWE belt. Eh, I mean, I've always dreamed of him being a WWE, WWF champion when I was a young lad. Um, 
my dream scenario involves Hunter too. I uh, I would like to see him get Hunter, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get the belt either. At this and point, I don't those... really even care if they go through the typical wrestling process. Just say, ah, this is for the belt. Screw whoever the current champion is. These guys are better. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Death drop. Title win. Well, what you could do is at WrestleMania, you could go ahead and have Cena versus... Um... No, it would be um, Brock versus Roman Reigns. Brock actually goes over, and then he challenges, if anybody else in the back wants to take me on, fine. If I lose, I'm out the door, and you get the belt. And then the, the lights boom. go off in the arena. And Lex Luger rolls on. out the wheelchair. This <laughs> thing is behind Brock. Yeah, I could go for that. My dream is, uh, it, and this is just a dream, is that Hunter picks up a title, gets back in shape, looking good, wrestling, doing a good job, has a title. Sting makes his appearances. They're building it up. Hunter pulls his typical freaking, uh, uh, you know, corporate crap. And, well, i got certain conditions. I've got certain conditions. It's got to be a specialized Iron Man match, but you got to get through two or three wrestlers to get to me. Okay. And Hogan wants a last run, so I say give it to him. Let him 60 minutes. Sting has to beat um, Hulk Hogan. And who's another one? Undertaker. And I don't <laughs> care who else. He has to beat somebody else. Somebody John big. Cena. John Cena. All right. He has to beat those three guys. No interference is not that crap. He has to get through those three before he beats Hunter. And he has a 60-minute time limit to beat all four guys. He goes out. So we won't give Hogan his last match, right? We don't really want to see it that much unless it's certain conditions. So here's his last match. Then goes out. Sunset flips his ass, pins him. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> done. I'm the stinger. Get out. Um, and then maybe give him a good 5 or 10, 15 minute match with, with the Undertaker and puts him out with a um, Scorpion Death Drop or something. Uh, and then uh, the third round of it's a TLC match, tables, ladders, and chairs, or just a ladder match. And he finishes off John Cena with a, with a freaking stinger splash from the top of the step ladder. And then, uh, then he gets Hunter and he puts him out with a scorpion death lock. Not the death drop, the death lock. Because that's the one he made his business on. And uh, that would be awesome. But that's just a dream fanboy scenario. And uh, well, so what do you think happens after that with, a, with Lex Luger in a wheelchair and what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll say Luger will turn off. Luger comes just out. on top of him. Luger comes out to yeah. congratulate him, holds his hand up. And then turns heel and runs over his foot with his wheelchair. <laughs> he turns heel one last time. So, and guys, I really don't. Anybody that's listening, I don't think it's funny that Luger's in a wheelchair. But, I mean, it's just it was really the heel thing I'm laughing at. I just can't imagine him doing anything like a clothesline or body slam or anything like that. Um, but yeah, oh. see Luger come out and be heel one more time after Sting <laughs> wins the title, and then Sting, you know. I don't know, does something, drops a mic, walks out, and that's it. He's done. He's retired. Off into the sunset. <laughs> Luger just, he got that long-ass ramp, and Luger just comes out there, and he, he rolls to the top, and he's just clapping his hands for Sting, and as soon as Sting turns his back, Luger's demeanor changes, and he just rolls straight down, <laughs> takes his yeah. ass out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I'll tell you what, if they do something big... I know that Sting and Luger have always remained friends. I hope, I hope Luger's there at ringside to see him off. 
So, and his family and his close personal friends, people he worked with, and stuff. But I think this thing goes into Hall of Fame. Luger should be the one to actually do the induction. Yeah, I think that would be good. You yeah. know, Luger wasn't the greatest. I'll admit that. But uh, you know, he had his moments, and he was he was an integral part of you know WCW, and he had a big run in WWE even. But he, I mean, he was there. He did a good job for the most part. And for anybody, the greatest, but and they were good friends. They had some good matches. They were all they were all part of the same program. So I think it'd be fitting to have Luger give it to him. And for anybody saying that Scott's ideas wouldn't work because Sting's a 54-year-old man and he can't work an hour match. Well, if you think about how long it takes all these fuckers to get out to the ring, yeah, it could work. You could stretch this thing out to 50. Well, he's got an hour time limit. It doesn't have to be stretched out to an hour. Though the pit, the submission happening at like 59-59 would be awesome. Um, yeah. How long do you guys think Sting well, fuck works Undertaker out to stay in shape? Take Sting probably works out longer than an hour a day. I'll guarantee it. He has to to, st- to be able to take bumps and do what he does. It'll take so. Taker at least 10 minutes to get to the ring. There's, there's 55, 65, 70-year-old men and women doing Ironman competitions. So I yeah, Sting put the time in, put the cardio in. He could do it. At the most, Sting would only work 30 minutes in that match because of all the fluff that would go into there's it. There's all the fluff. There's all the talking shit. There's the you know the rest techniques where they're taking their little breaks. You gotta take that into consideration too. So I would like to see it. And it seems like this Something is a, epic. a reoccurring segment, the CM Punk section of the show. Another challenge. Apparently Jose Canseco wants to take on CM Punk. Yeah. Jose Canseco is a big roid raging lunatic right now, and uh, he did have a few MMA fights. I think he won. Two or three, maybe. I'm, I can't. I can't swear that, but he, I'm pretty sure he did win. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I don't want to see him in UFC. Jose Canseco is what in his fifties, sixties, fifty-five, fifty-six, something like that. Nicky yeah, Lynch I mean, sixties. You know, I'd rather see CM Punk get someone in his age group at least. <laughs> so, because um, it would be really, seen... really bad for UFC to take that risk and Jose Canseco go out and knock CM Punk's block off. Well, I don't think Canseco would even be allowed in the UFC. He wouldn't even pass a freaking physical, probably. So, Jose Canseco needs to lay down. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, you could always bring Ed O'Neill in there to work him. <laughs> yeah. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. God, getting your ass kicked by Al Bundy? Damn. <laughs> Not only... Getting your ass kicked. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know if people understand exactly what it takes to become a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu, especially if you're a, an American. But this isn't like a black belt in karate or taekwondo where it's just a really simple belt test. It's a true evaluation of your ability. It's not It's not mimic these five moves and you pass your test or whatever. And I'm not saying all belt tests are like that, guys. But Jiu-Jitsu is very, 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 very hard to get a black belt if you're an American. Was it 12 uh, or 20 years you worked with the Gracies? I'm thinking 20. He's been with the Gracies for quite some time. So, um, in Torrance. So, yeah, he's been around it for a while. Uh, and it took him quite some time to get it. Uh, the average time... This was a stat from many years ago I read... 
for a black belt was like eight to ten years or something. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's not. It's much more strict depending on where you're going. If it's the Gracies, it's about as strict as it gets. So, you know, going to some of these other schools where you got some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, you may not actually be legitimate Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts giving out black belts. They may do four or five year periods, but yeah, the Gracies are very strict with it. So, and I'm pretty sure I, it was either Hoist or Horian Gracie that gave Ed O'Neill his. But anyways, it takes a long time. So that means that uh, I have 15 years of jujitsu and wrestling and all those things, and Ed O'Neill would tie me up in a freaking knot. So whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm 34. But that doesn't matter because his level of technical proficiency to get a black belt from who he got it from must be amazing. Yeah. So back to CM Punk. He hopefully would just knock Conseco's block off if it happened. It'd be a dumb risk, and I don't think Conseco would pass the physical anyways. So, and actually, I just looked up his record, and he had one match in the Dream Super Hulk Grand Prix, which was one of the shows that come in after Pride was sold, and it was to uh, this guy whose name I can't pronounce, who is 12 wins and six losses. So, Cho Hong, Choi Hong Man. Choi Hongman? I don't know how you say it, but he's seven foot one. <laughs> I remember this now. Yes, I do remember this one. Uh, Jose Canseco looked miserable in that. So, back from when I watched a lot of MMA. Once I saw the picture of the fighter, the, the match kind of jumped in the memory. So, yeah, Canseco, you're, you're probably barking up the wrong tree, dude, at your age. I mean, unless you're uh, a genetic freak on steroids to boot, you probably just need to go lay down. Yeah, I really don't see it happening. No. Now, who was the other dude that caught off caught out um, CM Punk that you were? Green Power Ranger, wasn't it? Well, yeah, he was one as well. I think fuck everybody. Oh, else. it was Nate the one Diaz. that you were pissed he off was, about today. Yeah, Nate Diaz was talking shit. He's a lightweight, and uh, I mean, Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz are two guys that fought in UFC for a long time. And uh, I can't freaking stand either one of them. Uh, they've sold their soul to the devil. I don't care who you guys think you are. Um, but they are tough. They're very, very tough. Uh, technically, they, they look, they've always looked sloppy. And they're the kind of guys that are like six foot, six foot one, six foot two, something like that. And they look like... And they look like they just come out of the Holocaust. They're so skinny because they cut so much weight to get down to the 155-pound or 170-pound division, whichever one they're in. And uh, that's basically their 200-pound men fighting in the 155-pound division is what it amounts to. Um, and by the time they've done their weigh-ins and then they come back in the fight the next day, you know they've put 20 pounds, 25 pounds back on. And everybody cuts weight, but these the guys cut extreme amounts of weight. And they fight guys that are basically half their size. So screw both of them. They, I mean, technically they, they do have some talent, but they've always been sloppy and, and they've always cut tons of weight, so to hell with them. But they talk shit about CM Punk. And frankly, CM Punk's got a lot of balls to want to step into this sport at this time with all the injuries he has, period. So yeah, maybe Diaz is feel a little sore because you know CM Punk didn't have to work his way up through the uh, uh, grassroots kind of stuff. But that's just the way it is. He's got other things that he can bring to the game just besides talent. He's got a name recognition that the Diaz's will never have. So I guess that's why one's like uh, 17 and 10. See, he wasn't even all that great. Uh, 
Um, I mean, they had good fights. Uh, Nick Diaz, 26-9, and nine, so not bad. But, yeah, screw those guys. They, they sold their souls to the devil. It's plain and simple. So what what does the um, the wrestling community, for the most part, seems to be behind CM Punk in this endeavor? Um, how does it look on the UFC side? From what I've seen, it looks like UFC fans are pissed off at UFC and think this is all bullshit. Well, they probably want... One thing that MMA fans have always sought is to have the legitimacy of pro boxing. Um... I don't want the legitimacy of pro boxing because pro boxing is is a corrupt joke. Uh, it has been for a long time. Yes, there's been some great matches and great title runs, but those days are long behind. Um, UFC is its own thing, and they're still... I mean, they're making tons of money. They're selling lots of pay-per-views, but they're always going to be seeking that bigger payday. Always. And I just I don't see the downside to having CM Punk anymore. And I think that's part of the I think that's part of the concern that people have though is they, they 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 don't think it's pure. But I see a man that wants to step in and put his chin on the line. I say go for it. You know, I mean he, yeah, most people have to work their way up through the freaking ranks, but this guy is coming in with his huge name recognition. And if you guys don't like CM Punk, you're going to take great satisfaction if he gets his block knocked off. Enjoy that. Then you can brag to everybody, just like with um, the 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 form uh, Tony uh, uh, James Tony when he got destroyed by uh, Randy Couture. You know he was a boxing heavyweight champion and former champion or whatever. wasn't that far out of it, and he come in and just got embarrassed. So just somebody else to 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 put your hat on. You know another notch in the belt of UFC. And I don't see Brock Lesnar coming in and doing what he did as a bad thing because he had a, an, an amateur wrestling background. He was a but badass amateur wrestler. He was one of the best. Yeah, he was fantastic. I heard of, I knew who he was before he was in pro wrestling because um, he was just an excellent, excellent wrestler. Well, I mean, we could always check YouTube and see what the people are saying about it because that is, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, I saw a little ad there. Grab my attention. <laughs> Ronda Rousey's looking pretty good there. Yeah. Well, let's... Uh, He's been talking about WWE a lot. All right. Just a matter of time. Yep. You can't fight forever. Yeah, they had one that was real popular not too long ago. I can't remember what her name is off the top of my head, but she uh, yeah. she moved on. Yeah. Ronda Rousey and her four horsewomen, and she's wanting... She, they Jake asked her. Oh, no. That's it. That's what they, I was thinking of. They asked her if she would be a hill or a baby face. She said, "Well, my name came from Rowdy Roddy Piper. I would have to be a hill just to honor him." So yeah, she should be fun. She can't act for shit, but hopefully she'll she'll pick it up for. Um, I mean, just go in there and be yourself. You can be a you can be a total bitch. I've seen her, and I love her <laughs> her gimmick. Yeah, Gina Carano was the other one. She. She was the hot thing that they were pushing, and then she got beat by ah uh, this other female fighter. I can't well, obviously female fighter. I can't remember what her name is either. Cyborg or something like that. Oh and, yeah, uh, I've heard Cyborg before. Then she went to the movies, and she never went back. And they don't blame her, you know. Um, Cyborg right. had the right look. Maybe she'd have went to the movies. Yeah. So, well, that's about all the news we have today. Maybe next week we will be back with um, Dan. Maybe not. Who knows? Depends on if his life um, 
next time. And by his life, I mean his wife. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> He's domesticated. Let him play. Let him play. Let the boy play. Yeah. For 30, we do podcasts. That's it. That's right. Look, we're, we're not out whoring around. <laughs> he just said he couldn't tonight. He didn't give me any reason, but he was going to ride his ass about it regardless. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Daniel, you didn't give us a reason, but we're giving you a reason. Yeah, this you're is You're domesticated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vera, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is Scott and Paul uh, signing off. Um, we'll try to use a, a hashtag. It's probably going to be um, SPD Podcast. Scott Paul Daniel, um, unless Paul objects, if he will, he'll do it an hour later. Um, <laughs> well, so just you know, check us out on Twitter and uh, look for our hashtag. All right. Okay, and um, talk to you people later. Bye-bye. Oh, Bye. wait. That's not my gimmick. Fuck you, Internet. That's my gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>